So, season two, we're back. What great sequel do we have in store? What electric boogaloo is there? What continuation of the story shall unfold? What cliffhanger did we leave on? Oh, so many unanswered questions. The explosions, the car rides, the one day from retirement car- The betrayal. The betrayal, the, the dog that was your best friend the entire time. The emotional scene at the end, that weird bit with the sunset, what was up with that? So yes, welcome back to Caskheads. Caskheads, a podcast for whiskey about sometimes whiskey. And yep, it's season two. Now sometimes sequels get a bad reputation and can be a complete waste of our time. We're obviously but- not on about Alvin and the Chipmunks, the squeakquel. I don't think I've ever watched it. I haven't either, but the title bodes well. Cascade Season 2 is going to be our T2 Judgment Day. Our aliens! Our Independence Day 2, if we have a bad day and phone it in for an episode. I'm going to cycle around this room like Jeff Goldblum cycled into the office. That was Independence Day 1. It still counts. But enough of all this, we are back. And we're talking about Brook Laddie, which is on the island of Isla. Yes, I know, it's a scotch and that isn't very imaginative, but I wanted to go big or go home. And on this first episode, we're reviewing Octomore, the peachiest whiskey made at the moment. Whoa! I guess Pete has a lot to say about that. Uh, Yes, so built in 1881, the distillery would have been considered state-of-the-art back then, utilising many techniques which now would be considered classic. Fun fact about 1881, people were around. We don't know that for sure. Actually, we do. We found their bones. Hmm. Whether they had skin outside the bones, no one knows for no, sure. It's, it's unclear. But the bones were definitely walking around. Mm-hmm. So there could have been a skeleton uprising in 1881. Well, is it an uprising if that's just us in our de-evolved form? Well, no, because we know there were skin people in before 1881 because I've seen cavemen versus dinosaurs. I'm not... I don't have a problem with the cavemen versus dinosaurs. I have a problem with you describing the human race as skin people. <laughs> People like, you told her, hi, one of those skin people. I see. Is it attached to you in some manner? You're there, like in in, in Hook, when he's testing the face, like, it is you, Peter. Much like the first iPod, there hasn't been much need to change these uh, these pieces of technology, regardless of what the manufacturers might tell you. Over the years, Brook Lady changed numerous hands, opening and closing several times, until we come to around about 2001, where a gentleman, or some gentleman rather, so you had Mark Rainier, Simon Coughlin, and Gordon Wright, they wanted to buy and reopen the sadly neglected Brook Lady distillery. That's a good portion of names. I feel like you can't go into business in whiskey unless you have a good name. Like, you would have to change yours, I'm sorry, but the jury's out. I did a poll. The skin... Franklin Casp knows. The skin people agreed. The name has to change if you want to start a job. Franklin Casp knows. Nice to meet you. Of the Casp If I was to join whiskey properly, more more professionally than I am now, I mean, I know I'm held in high regards, but I would go as the Cask Whisperer. In fact, if anything, for you to join whiskey in, in a more, it might even be a step down. Yeah, so high up. that's the problem. I would have to demote myself mm. because no one is above me. That's no. the problem. So I'd have to... As Uber uh, Viceroy, Chancellor, Supreme Emperor, Overlord of all whiskey, you'd have to maybe lose one of those titles. Yeah, the problem is I just have so many medallions yes. and medals and I, I'm not willing to give one up. Mm. Yeah, and you've earned every single one of them. Exactly, in the yes. yes. 
they actually approached a man named Jim McEwen, who is a distilling legend in the industry, and offered him a role in the project as head distiller. At that time, he was working at Bowmore, and he was actually very grateful to take on the job opportunity because he, his previous job at Bowmore was lots of travelling around, and he was happy to return to the island and have a, a kind of uh, a fixed point of uh, work. Some people say if you if you stand on the moors at night, you'll hear Jim McEwen building a distillery. <laughs> They say he has purple eyes that glow. He's eight feet tall. I've seen him transform into a dragon. They say he has an eight pack that he's absolutely shredded. One of the big challenges. your numbers. One of the big challenges facing the new owners of the distillery was the state of disrepair a lot of the equipment was in. Unfortunately, the motors, uh, particularly used inside the washbacks, uh, they'd all seized, and uh, with the high cost of replacing these um, after buying a distillery, it was decided to only repair a few of them to keep the cost down. And this this meant that basically they would have to have a longer kind of fermentation time in in order to prevent too many bubbles forming, which would spoil the process. Uh, This decision ultimately would help to create the lighter house spirit style that we um, many value today. One of the other big factors towards Brooklady's lovely spirit style is also their stills. They have these wonderful, elegant, tall stills, uh, and it creates this nice, fruity and floral kind of spirit, something that really stands out on Isla because there's so many distilleries that go for the bigger kind of robust bodied spirit styles. A lot of people don't know this, and this is a fun fact for I'm sure you and our listeners but stills are originally called stills because they do not walk. They don't have the legs. You do get legs in whiskey, though, don't you? Exactly. That's the... Le- well, the... It, honest... Right. Okay. It's a conspiracy. You know how we evolved sheep to be more mild-mannered? We evolved... <laughs> because before they were so robust, violent creatures. <laughs> yeah. we, had to, we had to enslave the sheep race. They were predators. Uh, one of the big things that uh, Rainier Im- implemented was a strict policy focusing on... Um, now, I apologise because I don't know how this is actually pronounced... I always say terroir, but I've heard. I think I've heard terrier or something like that Are as well. Terrier, terroir. But I always say terroir, terroir, terroir. And the more you say it, the weirder it sounds. It's a French word often used in the wine industry, actually, which is uh, where Marc Rainier actually came from. He had a background in the wine industry. Uh, the idea is to focus on the, the various kind of locations where you grow the grapes and the flavours that this creates. However, in this case, when you bring it into Scotland for the um, for, for the whiskey distilling and things, it's it's more focusing on the barley sourcing. Now, Brookladdy, they only ever use Scottish barley, and they will often source barley from individual fields for certain releases, keeping then make sure that they keep all these different releases and, and barley sourcing completely separate, which is quite time consuming for them. Uh, and it makes it relatively more expensive. But in their opinion, it's still worth it. So as we'll cover later on, you get multiple different releases. So you get things like the Scottish, the Isle of Barley, and then often literally just you get field releases and you can taste the differences. Um, we call this the field release. <laughs> well, c- kind it's of. free like, range. You'll get like Irene's Field or whatever. This is worth mentioning that, as we'll find out later on, Mark Rainier actually sold Brook Lady and he moved on to his own. He now works, he opened a distillery in Ireland called Waterford and again he's having this exact same approach of these in individual farm bottle kind of releases and it's, it's, it's a belief that he still carries on to this day. Yeah, you don't want to hunt barley to extinction. Uh, Rainier and his investors actually sold the distillery to Remy Quantro in 2012 and Remy Quantro, they have still kept this practice much the same, this whole kind of belief in, in the Brook Lady system. Again, a good name, a good strong name. What's the business, Remy Quantro? And the business name is... Remy Quantra. Exactly, so it's a... Business name. Right, so it's a name. It's a business name. Which is a It's name. a company name. All the stock is matured on Isla, with nothing leaving the island until it's ready to be sold. Currently, they have uh, enough storage on site for around 70,000 casks, and new warehousing is being built to house an extra 100,000 on top. Whoa, that's... A lot uh, of casks. That's almost double. In fact, it's over double. Almost. Almost. 
I'm um, quite a bit almost. In fact, I'd like to believe one gentleman patrolling those warehouses with a, a, a duster and a cape <gasps> and, a, and a hat would like to believe that it is for the better. <gasps> with his spurs. Obviously spurs. Kicking up dust, even if there's no dust. He doesn't use his spurs on horses. That's actually incredibly cool. He takes them off when he rides his horse. Oh, he has a horse as well? Obviously he has a horse. I don't know. Maybe he has, like... I thought maybe he had portals that got him from warehouse to warehouse. Yeah, horse portals. <laughs> Horses control portals, Jordan. How do you think they mean? Now, the core range at the distillery of Brooklyn... <laughs> Patreon, the caskets were arriving like two hours early, setting up like a smoke machine and like tumbleweed and everything. Like these really dramatic effects, like lightning effects and stuff. <laughs> and then he takes off his glasses and it's like, the cask whisperer? It's like, oh, a guy in a duster. The cask whisperer! When it comes to bottling their spirit, the core range is always bottled at 50%. They won't go below that. It's always unchill filtered and with no added colour, as they want to provide you with the most honest representation of their product without sacrificing flavour for yield. So they could bottle at 40, 43, 46, like many other distilleries do, but they will not go below 50. And, and it's this kind of, like I say, it, it makes it more expensive for them to bottle, but the flavour you get from it is amazing. I, I, I love Brook Laddie, I really do. But what, what I wanted to also say about Brook Laddie is they they're experts at marketing in an interesting way. I don't know if you remember, but I know I've shown you the classic Laddie bottle before. It's quite a, a dumpy bottle and it's like almost like a bluey turquoise colour. And the reason for this is it kind of stands at about like one of those size ones as opposed to the tall ones. The reason they do this is because when they first opened up and like I say they didn't have a lot of money and they couldn't release too much on marketing budget, they decided to go for this like weird bright bluey turquoise colored bottle uh, so it'd stand out on shelves and also the idea is it's also the same color as the uh, the sea is off the island sometimes oh. so it, and to be fair it really does draw your attention because you get all these plain glass bottles and then you get this blue one i like fun bottles um, same way i like it when books have colored pages all pages are coloured. No, like on the outside, you know, when they have like a red trim, I'm like, I'm more inclined to buy that book. Also, other examples are they did the... One of the classic stories about Brook Laddie is the yellow submarine bottle. Apparently, some fishermen came into Isla and they'd uh, retrieved what looked like a, a, a strange yellow submarine. They actually got it up onto the island and they contacted the um, Ministry of Defence because it had property of the Royal Navy on it or something. And the Royal Navy refused to admit that it was theirs uh, until eventually... Brooke Laddie kind of picked up on it and they started doing marketing on it and things. When the Ministry of Defence actually came to collect this, like it's apparently it's like a, um, like a, almost like a drone submarine robot thing. And apparently when the Ministry of Defence sent uh, a ship to come and collect it, they were presented with uh, a bottle of the yellow submarine whiskey. <laughs> nice. And obviously, being what they were, they made a big press thing out of it because they got all this free advertising. The other one is they actually got contacted by, I think it was either the CIA or someone like that because they had a webcam in the distillery. The webcam was picked up uh, by these uh, analysts or whatever and they suspected it was actually a site for um, creating like WMDs. Apparently, there's, there's a lot of similarities in the equipment or something like that. Oh. And so they got an official uh, like investigation came into them and then, the, and then got revealed and all that and to obviously make the most out of the situation they then re they released a whiskey called WMD whiskey of mass destruction so it's one of those things and they do they have these really kind of fun marketing releases quite often and I mean a lot of it is like uh, marketing hype and stuff but they seem to have a bit of a, a jokey side about them and it, it certainly works and they have a wonderful following amongst uh, loyal kind of customers they also uh, before I forget they also kind of give themselves the title of progressive Hebridean distillers because they want to be like showing that they're going against the 
mold. They're progressive. They're not stuck in the way of tradition all the time. Honestly, if you ever see Brick Laddie, it will say Brick Laddie, progressive Hebridean distillers. Like, they're not marginalised. <laughs> and what was the other? There was another one where apparently, I can't remember if it was a flag or they just had it as a motto, but they had some Gaelic writing underneath, which is traditional Scottish. Uh, it translated to, they got away with it for ages, but apparently it translates to like dog's bollocks or something like that, as if nice. to say it's the best. Uh, and no one realised what it was for ages, or like people who realised just saw the funny side of it until they had to change it. The core range at the distillery of Brookladdy, not including travel retail specific leases, because I haven't been on, I haven't been to an airport recently to check on that because of COVID reasons and stuff. And quite frankly, I'm not going to fly somewhere just so I can go shopping. <laughs> Sounds like something you would do, though. Oh, I wish I could, yeah. If it's called Brookladdy, it is unpeated. Uh, they do both the Scottish and Isla Barley releases. The Scottish barley is the one in the blue bottle, as I said, that I was telling mm-hmm. you about earlier on. The Isla Barley comes in a clear one. The big difference there being Scottish barley, sourced anywhere in Scotland, Isla Barley, it's all grown on the island. Uh, having tried both of these side by side, I would say it doesn't affect flavour too much. Of course, Brook Laddie would probably disagree with me, but I do think it changes the mouthfeel a little bit. It's a little bit creamier in the texture. No, don't say either Season of two. two together. Season two, mouthfeel. Season two, I'm banning Malfeel and I'm banning the sentence of creamier afterwards. <laughs> it is, though. It's, it's a little it's a little uh, creamier in, in the texture. Thicker. Just say thicker. I don't want to say thicker. It's not thicker. It's not, it's not like it's goopy. Mm, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. So yeah, I mean, it's nothing like a Bailey's, but there's just something to it. The other thing to note is it's very barley-led at Brook Laddie, so they concentrate a lot more on the barley flavours than necessarily you get from the cask influences. Although they go down that route separately, when it comes to the core range, they want to highlight this kind of difference you get from the barley. Uh, they also do one called uh, Bear Barley, or Beer Barley. I'm not sure how you pronounce that one, I have to admit, but I always say Bear, but it could be Beer Barley now that I think about it. Is it bear like B E R E? Ah, so I always say bear barley. But I'll stop my jokes now. Uh, which is an older style of barley, which they actually started to grow on the island again, specifically for this kind of region. And they they uh, do a small batch each year to showcase this different barley flavour. After this, you get Port Charlotte, which is named after an area on Isla where Brookladdy have their current warehousing situated. The uh, the interesting thing actually is when uh, Mark Rainier still had the distillery, there were plans to build a second distillery at Port Charlotte uh, by the by the company, but. I think because of costs, the decision was ultimately shelved, but they still have the warehousing there. Now, Port Charlotte whiskey is always heavily peated. It also comes in the traditional kind of Scottish and Isle of Barley variants that they do with the, the, the classic laddie. But they also uh, have recently been doing some wine cask releases. Classic laddie. <laughs> yeah, they literally call it classic laddie, the blue one. is classic laddie and uh, uh, Brook laddie Isle of Barley. They also do some wine cask releases. So previously it was MRC, uh, and then this one that I, I've tried more recently is OLC, uh, and they won't tell you what vineyards they, they actually get the casks from apparently they're under strict rules not to but they do give you these wonderful kind of sweeter berry kind of flavors and things when they use these different wine casks port charlotte is petered to around about your 40 45 parts per million so it's more bringing it up to your traditional kind of like isla phenolic kind of level that you expect but it doesn't come through as iodine as things like the Freug and ardbeg i'd say but it has a lovely sweetness to it something that comes across in all their spirits and it, and it does stand certainly in the port charlotte range so if you love peaty whiskey and want something different i thoroughly recommend them finally you have Octomore, which is the one we're going to be talking about. Octomore, one of the first whiskies that I can remember ever hearing about. You have a bad memory then. <laughs> Octomore always sticks in my head. It does. Because it's like an octopus, and I like octopuses. It's like like an octopus, but there's more of them. I actually never made that association. (laughs) That's actually how you pluralize octopus. It's (laughs) octomore. 
great. You get octopus. And what's a group of them? They're octomores. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's, it's oh, my God. Uh, there's a shoal of octomores coming towards it's us. It's actually a gaggle of octomores. Oh, the octomores. They're coming towards us. <laughs> They've got tentacomores. <laughs> Each octomore has a, eight tentamores. <laughs> eight tentamores. And one cute face for the hugging. Oh, no, face hugging's off alien. No, I would hug an octopus. Ugh. I wouldn't hug... What, really? Even the blue circle octopus? No, blue you know that's octopus? one of the biggest fears I have every time I go near the sea. Which is the most dangerous octopus in existence? Yeah. But, you know, it's only in Australia, so you're pretty safe. Yeah, no, every time. I, honestly, I can't go in swimming pools anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Octomore is the peatiest whiskey made. Octomores are always bottled at cask strength. The releases basically are numbered. This release we're reviewing is 11.3. 11 refers to it's the 11th batch of Octomore. Uh, if it's 0.1, it is the Scottish barley version, and it's always matured in ex-American oak casks. Uh, 0.2 is the travel retail exclusive. 0.3 is the Isle of Barley version. So it, it's... It, and 0.3 always comes in a frosted bottle too. That's always worth mentioning. That bottle has frosted tips. What? Yeah. Throwback. <laughs> Uh, and it comes from one field on Octomore Farm each time. They, they vary the fields for obvious reasons. And point four is virgin oak casks. So each version of the Octomore... So if it says 11.1, 11.2, 11.3, 11.4, it makes sense. Oh, dear. And each year, these batches will be different kind of uh, PPMs for the measure of peat. PPM stands for parts per million? Yes, it does. Well done. That's right. Season two, I've learned. 11.3 uh, is peated to 194 parts per million. So when you put that in context of things like the Port Charlotte being 40 to 45-ish, Ardbeg is bang on 50, Lafroig is 45. Yeah, but no one's going to drink a million parts of something. But what I'm saying is, you know, it's, that's... Three and a bit times peatier than anything else on the island, really. Uh, if you don't count Ardbeg Supernova, which is their peatiest whiskey they do in very limited releases in very like very far apart as well. It's not like it's done as regular as Oxmoor. Well, step up or get out, everyone else. <laughs> Oxmoor 11.3 was matured in American oak casks, uh, used entirely Isla Barley. You already went through all the others, though. I'll tell you what, no. I'll shut up then. Uh, you can tell me about Oxmoor. Hmm? So I'm going to sh take a back seat now for the rest of the episode whilst somebody else reviews Oxmoor 11.3. It is bottled at 61.7%, by the way. Like I say, cask strength. It's very strong. Well, very... Sh uh, I'm doing my part. Very peaty. Season two, I'm in charge. I'm supposed to be giving all these facts. <laughs> I'm the captain now. I'm the captain now. As you can see, it's in a glass and it's liquid. If I spin it, it moves. Now, come on. You've learned so much. Tell me what you think about it. Well, I would say it is... The colour of... Not great urine, but... <laughs> <laughs> now, great as in successful or great as in, like, the metal... Like, if a doctor saw that, they wouldn't be like, okay, you need you need water now. They'd be like, probably hydrate at some point soon. Well, your glass is dirty, so I can't tell if it's grainy or not. Because sometimes things are grainy from the cask, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get cask bits in some of the whiskey. Oh, yeah, you do, actually. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. But I wouldn't... No, that's not grainy, though, is it? It's grainy, yeah. See, if I was on about grainy when I'm talking about whiskey, I'd actually be on about the grains used. You're on about, like, the oaky well, chips. Well, Jordan, that's what the people on my level say. Oh, they, when, when you're superintendent, we, Omega, we Empire level clearance. We don't need to explain it in such a dumb way because we know what we mean when we say grainy. I didn't realise I, 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 I didn't realise I had to dumb it down so much, okay? So I would say it's a, a light, um, hay kind of um, colour. It's... Oh, yes, yes, definitely light hay colour, not white wine, in my opinion. 
nobody's wrong, but in my opinion. Well, when you get to my level. Uh, the legs, they run rather fast, actually. I said that. They run you either did, slow yeah. or fast. At a pace. Now, even though this is bottled at, what did I say, 61.7, I think? Can't even yep, remember. Yep, 61.7. I mean, I can really get my nose in there. It's not overpowering, so the... Um... <laughs> <laughs> really knows real close to that liquid. No, but what I'm saying is it's not like you get that really heavy kind of alcoholy side to it. It's, it's really nicely balanced, Dr. Moore. It is. It's lovely. Here's a trick of the trade. If you're smelling really strong alcohol, if you don't breathe, you'll be fine. Another trick of the trade is to open your mouth whilst you're breathing through your nose. Yeah. And then you actually pick up more flavours. You just a mouth. Everyone knows the senses are connected. That's why if you pitch your nose, you can't taste as much. And <laughs> also you sound like this. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but on the nose, it's you do you get a lovely kind of cerealness behind that uh, behind the peat. I mean, that's probably where you're getting that dry side from is the cereal side. But if you just get behind it, there's there is a little bit of the sweetness as well from the spirit. Um, now, one thing that does always amaze me with Octomore is although the pass per million is very very high, the smoke doesn't overpower it. There's always a balance to it, and, and that's one of the wonderful things that, when it's done properly. It's not like you're just I don't know putting a load of coal in your mouth, setting fire to it and just taking in the smoke. Now, on the flavours. Now, first of all, it's that Isla Bali, and there is, is that little bit of a thicker kind of cream in your mouth feel. No! You get a lovely kind of sweetness to it as well. Uh, there's lo- there's great vanilla flavours, there's um, loads of kind of bar- barley notes to it. The smoke uh, and the peatiness, it builds, it really does, and it just kind of like fills the mouth at one point. Um, but on the finish, although you still get it, there's this lovely lingering kind of sweetness as well. It's, it is spectacular in so many ways. It's one of those that, although on the nose you pick it up, I think once it's in your mouth, it just seems to explode. Flavour explosions. Are we still doing phrasing? No, we're not doing phrasing. <laughs> um, now, if I add a drop of water to it, now instantly you see the water react with the oils. It goes cloudy and hazy a little bit. I mean, on the nose, I find the water, it does make things a little sweeter. And I try to find other distinctions, but that's one of the biggest things you pick up in this case. And you see, that's really interesting because trying it, although you get that sweeter side as well, there's a, a, a bit more spice you pick up. It's almost like the, the alcohol was hiding it before. And uh, certainly got green orange fruits apples for a little bit there before that spice kind of overtook things. So that is the tasting on Octomore 11.3. Are we still doing facts this season? We're on to facts. Take it away. Okay. Octomore is the peatiest whiskey known to the skin people. <laughs> They got their name from looking at an octopus once in the wild. No. Multiple octopuses make octomore, don't get that wrong. Yeah, they, they they saw an octopus and they were like, wow, what do you think we call multiple ones of those? I guess octomore. <laughs> really? You could have said, what do we call more of those? <laughs> <laughs> and they had to brainstorm it for a while, you know. Um, so fact number three, depending on the point... In the, in the name depends on what field it's from. No. Depends on what island place it's from. Sometimes. I'll take that one as a win. Fact four. Cask Whisperer owns a horse. <laughs> Fact five. It was set up by three people. Three people bought it later on. They didn't set three it up. Three people bought it later on and set it up to be the business it is today. That's what I was saying. <laughs> So how about we actually throw two extra facts in because two of those we just we've made up. 
Also not known as fact. It's at one billion parts per million. (laughs) No! One billion parts per million? Um, It's a, what is it, like a hundred parts per million or something? 194. I was so close. Just release. release. 94 out. Nearly as many as you said were out. (laughs) But Six. Six parts per million were off. But not as many. They have plans to expand from 70,000 to 100,000. No, they're expanding by 100,000, which means they will expand to 170,000. (laughs) Got all the maths. All the maths is gone. So many numbers. Maybe that's what this the secret Illuminati numbers that they're leaving around. Maybe that's what the Casper's trying to fight. <gasps> you know, he's all about the casks, not the numbers. Not the numbers. It's all, yeah, he's trying to take it back to his roots. So it's not about numbers for him. And maybe his villain, I don't know, like... <laughs> the decimal point. <laughs> no, I was thinking like... You know, if, if you've got the Cask Whisperer, maybe the Stillman or something like that. Ooh. And he's there and he's like, check your numbers, Cask Whisperer. The Stillman. The Stillman is going to be his his villain now. Oh, The Stillman sounds genuinely horrifying. Yeah, maybe maybe at the end of this episode, there's going to be like a moment where the Cask Whisperer is walking down and there's a maybe there's a cask that's broken and the contents are spilled out on the floor and it's it's down a little little like side alley amongst the other casks which from now on will be called i don't know something imaginative like murder alley there's this little baby quarter cask that the cask whisperer takes away and maybe that's the one that we saw later on it was it was his his, his dead baby cask was it maybe maybe the no dead, I, I can't handle and, it jordan and maybe they've gone to a cask opera we don't know but uh, what if what if the, the little so cask loose up to the cask whisperer and the cask whisperer's like, why do we fall down? Uh, and the little <laughs> cask is like, so we can get... Well, the little cask doesn't say anything because it's cask. But but you can, you can see it. We can't see it eyes. because the cask whisperer can whisper to the casks. Yeah, he knows. He knows. Well, this has been Cask Heads Season 2. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on whichever podcasting platform you use. It really does help us, and more importantly, may lead others to listening in and discovering this show. You can also visit our website or send us an email if you have any questions. The links are within the description below. I'd also like to thank Adrian and Alison Murray of the Wee Dram Whiskey Shop in Bakewell. They are very knowledgeable and great people to talk to. The shop sells a wide variety of whiskies, including... All of them that we've ever tasted so far. Some of them are liquids. You can visit their website, www.wedram.co.uk. And as always, we'll leave you with this one editing goof. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hello. How can I help you? Would you like to peruse my wares and goods? Hello, traveler. Hail and well met. I used to be a cat like you until I took a biscuit to the knee. I don't think she appreciated the last one. My name is Crispy Kane. Oh, Crispy Kane. Oh, dear.